0: Welcome to another episode of Progress, Potential, and Possibilities, discussions with fascinating people, designing a better tomorrow for all of us. I'm your host, Ira Pastor. Welcome everybody to another episode of our show with another fascinating guest, uh, helping to create a better tomorrow on many fronts. Um, We are honored today to be joined by Christina Hunger, who is a speech pathologist uh, and the creator of a project known as Hunger for Words, which is working at a fascinating intersection of animal psychology, speech pathology, and augmented and alternative communication. Uh, She is known for her groundbreaking work as being the first person to teach her dog, Stella, uh, how to talk using a unique customized communication device and speech therapy techniques. which is outlined in the new book that's going to be coming out in may how Stella learned to talk the groundbreaking story of the world's first talking dog Uh, Christina has a bachelor's in psychology from Case Western Reserve University. Uh, She did graduate work in speech-language pathology from Northern Illinois University uh, and has professional expertise in augmentative and alternative communication, working with young children uh, with significant delays in language development, uh, as an early intervention speech therapist. Uh, Christina Hunger, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show today.
1: Thanks so much for having me
0: absolutely it's it's great seeing you um really appreciating your time uh i you know I typically love to start things off by just handing our guest the floor for a little bit. If you could just take a, a few minutes to to further introduce yourself a little bit of uh, your background, everything from sort of where you grew up and, and sort of how you got interested uh in this whole domain of speech pathology, of alternative communications I think that' would be a great way to to get things going.
1: Absolutely, so uh, you did a great job with the intro already, but um, I grew up in Aurora, Illinois and um, went to college at Case Western in Cleveland, Ohio. I knew that I wanted to do something in the health related field, but I wasn't quite sure what. Um, I also really loved education, but um, being a teacher and being like a health professional didn't, neither one of those seemed to quite fit what I was looking for. And one of my friends just recommended that I take a speech pathology course. And so I explored it and I absolutely fell in love with it because it was the perfect combination of education and that health professional where I could build relationships with um, the clients that I was working with and also really help them you know, improve their communication skills. So um, once I got really into speech therapy and went to graduate school, I again fell in love with the fields of augmentative and alternative communication, AAC, which is helping people communicate in a way other than verbal speech. So there's a lot of people who don't rely on verbal speech to communicate due to different disabilities or disorders and they need another way to be able to say words. So I I just loved working with um, kids who had never had a chance to talk before, which is, you know, something that we all take for granted, and um, helping them talk with these devices or other modes of communication.
0: Outstanding. And, and you know, what are the things that, that sparked your interest in sort of what we'll call this hybrid area um, of aac animals and, and, and humans of course uh, you mentioned the um, uh, sort of the the, the story of, uh, of penny patterson who thought uh, Coco the gorilla had a sign language obviously you know, i'm i'm a i'm in a bird family here so obviously our birds talk in a certain way, but that's a, yeah. a little bit of a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to uh, when you sort of start thinking about this from the perspective of augmentative and alternative communication, in terms of um, using devices, mm-hmm. and I think the most common that we, we might think of in the sort of popular uh, press was, you know, Stephen Hawking's. So I have some, somewhat of a, a complex speech generating device, but it was mm-hmm. sort of. Um, sort of channeling, you know, inside, you know, there was a cosmologist and, and lots of knowledge. When you work uh, with younger patients, as you do, um, where, you know, you're not dealing just with sort of getting it out, but they're still developing that knowledge. And then when when you move to like a dog, uh, where we're not really sure. I mean, we know that they're thinking lots of stuff, but uh, talk about how you thought through this process and we'll get into sort of what the devices are about and so forth, but how did you make that bridge? Uh, What are the types of things that you went through in your initial thinking about this whole process?
1: Yeah, those are great questions and great points. So when I work with kids who are still developing language, I essentially do the same thing that I would with a child who uses verbal speech, except for I'm just using another form of language. So I think it's um, a big, you know, um, differenti- differentiation between speech and language abilities. So there are so many different ways to say words. We use gestures, we can wave at someone, and that represents the concept of hi. Um, We can use sign language, we can point to a picture with a symbol that says a word, or you can use um, a device to say something. So it's just about finding that, you know, other medium to um, communicate the concept, which is language instead of speech. So when I brought Stella home, I was just noticing that she had a lot of the same developmental milestones that toddlers have in language right before they start saying words. So something that um, I saw from my perspective, which a lot of people wouldn't see just because they're not in the field of speech therapy, is how many language milestones there are before words actually develop. Exactly. So kids um, represent you know different concepts and are communicating with language in ways other than words by their gestures, their Um, even just babbling and, um, you know, just how they're understanding language and um, everything that they're doing pretty much at this stage. And I was seeing those parallels with Stella, how she was understanding the words we were saying. She was already communicating these concepts by um, whining, vocalizing, by pawing at things, um, by using her eye gaze to direct my attention towards something. And so all I could see was how she was already, you know, communicating so strongly. And the next stage in development would be words, but she just didn't have a way to say words at the time.
0: And, and, and before we get into uh, the the device and, and some of what you've been noticing as as Estella's uh, capabilities have, have increased, tell us a couple of minutes about about Stella. I mean, she's a uh, a Katsuhula Blue healer a breed, a combination. Uh, any other interesting things about her, the particular breeds of dogs that um, may make you think ahead of time, wow, you know, the, this particular breed is really good at X, Y, and Z. I, I, I'm not a dog owner, so I don't <laughs> know much about this species. Yeah,
1: um, she, I didn't know really anything about her breeds when we um, got her, but I obviously looked it up once we found her. Um, Blue Healers are also called Australian Cattle Dogs, and they're very smart. Um, they are working dogs. Um, she's very, she's very um, social and kind of attached to me and my husband, Jake. She's very oriented by people. Um, she's very, very alert. She <laughs> notices everything in her environment and more. It's crazy. So I think um, just the combination of how social she is and just how observant she is was really helpful um, for this whole path that we went on. But, you know, I didn't plan to teach Stella this when I um, first brought her home. It was inspired after I saw all of this, you know, communication that she was already bursting with.
0: Got it, got it. And, and so to uh, you know, Stella has developed a... Uh, Fairly broad language, a few dozen words, um, and, and you sort of talk about how uh, she's, you know, you're developing language like a child, she's able to communicate now something like with a two-year-old child level, uh, and you've developed a very interesting uh, device uh, that has sort of these paw size buttons that she can push uh and, and she's not just you know it, it's not just about single words she's able to put things together like uh, christina by and, and park play so combining uh these combinations uh talk a little bit about sort of what you were thinking about when you put together device uh, how sort of the the language has grown from i don't know if there's a couple words to start with to a few dozen now walk us through a little bit of that history if you would
1: yeah, so when I first started with Stella, I had no idea where this was heading. I, I truly, my initial thought was, why don't I try introducing a few different words and see if she could just express a few um, kind of basic needs. So I only started with three single buttons, um, one said outside, one said play, and one said water. And those were all concepts that she was already communicating with gestures. Um, Which was really important because uh, research shows in human language development that toddlers um, demonstrate gestures for a concept a couple of months before they start using the word for it. So there's that direct correlation between communicating with gestures and then that turning into a word. So um, I started off with just these basic words and... um, I started adding more once I saw that she was using words for different functions. So it wasn't always just requesting, she started like labeling water as I was watering my plants. I talk about that in my book and I I started realizing, um, you know, she's using words for a lot more than I thought she would initially. So anyway, um, several months later, I, I still had a bunch of single buttons and um, had them scattered around my apartment. And Stella surprised me. I, I still can't believe how shocked I was when she made her first two word combination. Um, she said, eat, and then she walked across our apartment and said no um, to tell me that she hadn't eaten dinner and it was way past her dinner time. And I was truly mind blown, I I was not, expecting her to start combining words but um, from that point on you know when she showed that she was capable of that I thought I, I really need to make this easier for her so I put all of her buttons um, closer together on one board and from there her language use has just exploded and she's combining words like crazy um, every day she makes new word combinations and, and talks in these short phrases.
0: And, and you mentioned something uh, also about uh, a, a concept called motor planning, um, which is uh, you know, something where she's be, begun to memorize and anticipate, similar to how we type on a keyboard. Mm-hmm. We sort of, we, something we've learned, but where it sort of resides, not exactly sure. Uh, talk a little bit about this concept of motor planning and what you've seen uh, in Stell in regard to it.
1: Yeah, so one of um, my favorite therapy techniques to use with children who use AAC devices is called Language Acquisition Through Motor Planning, LAMP for um, an abbreviation. So all of this is based on the fact that we actually talk um, with motor planning. So every sound that we say, every word that we say, it's all a motor plan. And so it's taking the way that humans naturally Talk and communicate um, and channeling it through a device. So it's the same type of concept of learning one specific motor plan for each word. So what motor planning is, is, you know, just your muscle memory. Um, That's why I keep all of Stella's buttons in the same location on her board. So she doesn't have to, you know, paw around at the buttons to try to figure out which one is which. After enough repetition, she just automatically knows you know, her outside button is in the top left corner. Her want button is in the bottom left corner, and just walks there and automatically paws at them. So um, that's how she memorizes those words and can communicate so quickly because um, with enough repetition, she's become really automatic with it. And
0: you know, continuing on on the sort of the theme of the device, obviously, you know, I mentioned the beginning, sort of Stephen Hawking's, and he he start, you know. Thinking about the movie that was out a couple of years ago, he started with a very rudimentary device and obviously the technology um, improved a lot over time as, as technology did. Um, you know, on this show, we, we talk a lot about uh, not just stuff that's going on, but we think about some of the futuristic stuff. We have had people on the show talking about different themes brain-computer interface, artificial intelligence, things of this nature. Obviously, you know, we're at one level now, but you've made incredible progress. Uh, do you sit around and brainstorm sometimes about, wow, you know, um, there's a lot of other cool tech out there that I could possibly apply here, where, you know, with Estella has uh, 25 words today, could she have 250 words with X, Y, and Z tools? What are some of your sort of future, futuristic visions in regard to where this could go?
1: I love talking about this. I think about it all the time. Um, I truly feel like what I've done with Stella and what a lot of other dog owners are doing following this path, is just the very beginning. It's just showing that this is possible and that we have so much to learn and explore. Um, one thing that just pops into my mind all the time is um, how many words dogs can actually understand. So there's been a lot of research showing that Um, dogs can understand a lot more words than, you know, we give them credit for. Chaser, the Border Collie, is an example um, of a dog who learned the names of over a thousand different toys and um, a lot of different verbs and other sentence um, components. So that was huge in the dog cognition world that this dog could learn over a thousand different words just understanding not saying the words but um, I think about humans receptive language skills and expressive language skills and normally those are pretty similar so in dogs if they can understand hundreds or upwards of a thousand words theoretically they should be able to say around that many words as well so this is an example of something that I really think um, Developing more technology in this area is just going to keep allowing us to discover more because realistically, I don't think I can fill my (laughs) floor with like a thousand buttons and see how much Stella could say. But I think there's going to be a time when we have some, you know, a lot more advanced devices that allow us to keep exploring that and, and test all of these language concepts and see what dogs are capable of saying.
0: Uh, You know, along those lines, continuing. um, You know, you have uh, you know a thriving practice with young children with speech delays and so forth. Um, Are you getting as a result? Obviously, you 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 you've been out there. uh, You know, the story is a couple of years now. The book's now just coming out. Are a lot of people bringing you their dogs and, you know, have a significant interest? Is there a point where you say, okay, no more of these kids. (laughs) I'm (laughs) just going to work on dogs now. What's sort of been sort of the the grassroots component of all this? Because I see, you know, it seems like an area a lot of people are really interested in after you sort of led the way now.
1: Yeah, definitely. So something that's definitely shifted in my um, just professional life and professional goals is Is how much I want to be um, a source of education and inspiration for people. So I absolutely have loved working with children. It's how um, this has all been inspired and it has brought me so much joy. But uh, my big career goals are, you know, being this leader in this field and continuing to write and provide um, helpful information for people to um, teach their own dogs and to just continue this movement. So I think um, I really am hoping that I can inspire just more AAC awareness and knowledge in the general public because I think the more that people understand that there's so many different ways that we can say words and there are solutions when um, people aren't able to talk with verbal speech, I feel like it's going to create this huge shift in um, consciousness and awareness, um, that's going to help a ton of different populations. So that's kind of where I'm looking long-term of not just working with dogs or not just working with humans, but really, um, creating this movement and leading the way.
0: Very cool. Um, here's a little bit of a silly, I don't know if this is a silly question, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Um, so, you know, we, we, we talked about dogs, we talked about birds, um, mm-hmm. Gorilla is a sign language. Um, obviously, there's a lot of species on this planet that do not vocalize and have very different physiologies and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, a beautiful documentary on Netflix that I recently watched called My Octopus Teacher. Uh, about this guy that hung out with an octopus for a year off the coast of South Africa, and and they touched each other and did all sorts of... Anyway, my question is, how far sort of, and I don't mean to say down the evolutionary tree, but, you know, we're learning things about other types of animals. You know, the octopus, we used to think was sort of this bumbling... Mollus hanging out in the ocean, but we were realizing it has nine brains, and it maybe we have you know forms of thinking that we haven't really even considered. Um, mm-hmm. Do you ever once again, once again, these 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 uh, sort of daydreaming concepts? But do you think of other species that, wow, well, you know, they probably you know communicate and not vocalize, but I'm have the wrong terms here. Um, mm-hmm. Any interesting alternative augmentative communication concepts? For other stuff that lives on this planet,
1: yeah. I mean, something that I think about all the time now. It's just, it's after I've, you know, seen this with Stella and lived with a dog who's using words to talk to me every day. It's really opened my mind to how humans view animals in general, and I think at the end of the day, um, there. I really hope there is a shift in. Um, instead of prove it or okay how can I say this better I think um, right now we have the um, state of mind that animals are almost like guilty until proven innocent like they don't know anything until we can prove that they do mm. and I think that it would just serve everyone better if we assumed that animals knew a lot more than we probably understand that they know and if that's not the case, then at least we treated them really well and um, you know, treated them with respect and kindness and intelligence. But I think we risk a lot as a society if we continue on with the viewpoint of animals don't know too much until we find a way to prove that they do. So I absolutely believe that Um, all creatures are capable of much more than we're aware of because it's just it's really hard to figure out how to prove that and test that when we're not speaking the same language and when you know we have such different communication patterns but I think um, in the decades to come I feel like there's going to be this shift and I think people are going to be really surprised at what we discover.
0: Outstanding. (laughs) Um Christina, uh, obviously, Stella's been a a major influence in your life the last several years as you've developed this project. Um, Other mentors, influencers uh, throughout your path so far, uh, as you were studying psychology, as you were studying speech pathology, uh, that have been really instrumental uh, in keeping you on this path, that, uh, you know, the, the people that you know, helped you not to give up when th- things were tied and to tough with these, this project and others. Uh, take some time just to, to mention, shout out to anyone that you want to on that front.
1: Yeah, just honestly, from the education that I received um, in speech therapy, I, I became pretty close with a couple of my supervisors from grad school. Um, one of my supervisors, Michelle O'Laughlin, was instrumental in helping me um, realize that um, anything is possible, truly. And uh, to keep going with my crazy, wild ideas, that was something that she instilled in me from the first time she supervised me. And I was able to continue on for years after to tell her kind of these wild ideas that I was having. And she she was someone who always encouraged them and um, helped me see the benefit in that and following what I was thinking instead of kind of going with what everyone else was thinking so I think just having those people you know in anyone's life who can help you see your own unique light and what you're bringing to the table and helping you um, keep pursuing that is just so special and so important in anything but um, with this especially because it had never been done before so um, I, I still can't believe that I continued this far um, as I have.
0: Well, we're we're all uh, wishing you the best with it and and moving it forward and in all these different directions because it, it offers really fascinating possibilities, potential, <laughs> as we say <laughs> on the show. It's it's really fascinating and and, and really uh, want to thank you for for taking the time to come um, talk to us about it and, and really wishing you the best with it. Um, the Uh, For everybody that's going to be uh, watching this particular episode on our YouTube channel or listening on the podcast, uh, you've been listening to Christina Hunger, uh, speech pathologist, creator of the project Hunger for Words, working at this fascinating intersection of animal psychology, speech pathology, and augmented and alternative communications, pick up uh, How Stella Learned to Talk, the groundbreaking story of the world's first talking dog will be available at the beginning of May. Uh, Christine, once again, thank you for taking the time today. Uh, thank you for everything that you've been doing. And as we say on the show, thank you for helping to create a better tomorrow uh, on so many fronts with this work. It's, it's inspirational and, and really uh, very, very wonderful stuff.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure getting to talk to you about all of this.